Good morning. I'm Aline Reichenberg Gustafsson. I'm Olivia Marr. I'm Gülce Demirer. Hi, everybody. This is Philip Albuquerque. This is Richard Tishkevich. This is Julia Axelsson. Hope you had a nice weekend. I hope you had time to read our new report on natural capital. But if you haven't, then today we're going to give you a, a little preview of the insights we collected during this lunch meeting, which we had uh, at the end of uh, the summer here in Stockholm. And um, we had talked to six experts about investing in natural capital. So you held the roundtable on natural capital. Um, one thing that might be a good place to start is maybe reminding people what exactly we mean about natural capital, because it's a term that hasn't been used for very long. And from an investor's point of view, it's not always entirely clear what it means. Yeah, I think you're right, Richard. Actually, this is one of the first questions I asked. I said the first question I asked uh, as a moderator at the roundtable, because we, we need to redefine the, or, or rather define natural capital uh, to be able to talk about it. A lot of people think about natural capital as being just you know, forestry. Uh, but in fact, um, the investors agreed that natural capital, uh, while it's mostly uh, real assets, it's not just uh, reserved to trees. So you can also include other types of uh, real assets like agriculture, for example, um, and also projects that are related to being able to improve nature, uh, including opportunities where uh, you can compensate, for example, for CO2 emissions. So that's uh, the place where we started. And we also looked at different uh, asset classes within that. We had uh, specialists within fixed income who also also touched upon different types of bond that were related to nature. And uh, and then we also had a specialist, of course, uh, on forestry. So who was actually at the roundtable? Can you tell us a little bit about the, the asset managers and asset owners who attended? Uh, yeah. So we had uh, six main participants who were the specialists that contributed to our discussion from uh, both the asset management and the asset owner side. On the asset owner side, we had Frederik Nistrom, who's the head of sustainability and governance at AP3. We had uh, on in the private side uh, of the market, we had Rebecca Rian, who's the head of ESG analysis at Alekta, who's, uh, which is a pension uh, fund here in Sweden. Last but not least, Hanna Edeström, Investment Director, Interogo Holding Long-Term Equity Advisor. And so some pretty senior representations from the asset owner side, but who's Interogo, by the way? Interogo is the organization that is in charge of preserving the long-term value and the continuity of the IKEA Foundation. Ah, right, right, right. I see. And, and what about the asset managers? Did you have a higher representation there? So we had three asset managers, Andrew Drianin, he is head of natural capital at Schroders. We had David Fortin, senior director at Manulife Investment Management. And Manulife is one of the main owners of forestry in, uh, the, in North America, in fact. And we also had Mitch Resnick, who is head of sustainable fixed income at Federated Hermes. And he was able to provide the fixed income side. So talk to us a little bit about the different type of sustainability bonds. 
it's a quite a distinguished panel, I must say. And then uh, did you get any insights from these people? So what are, what are your main takeaways from the discussion? So one of the things that we try to focus on is first, of course, to look at the biodiversity risks that are attached to natural capital, because that's uh, something that a lot of investors have started focusing on. And it's, let's say, the easiest part of understanding biodiversity within investments is the risk side of the equation, because uh, it's much easier to focus on not harming the environment rather than repairing the environment once it's been harmed. So I think all the investors that were present agreed on the fact that the risk side of the equation is the low hanging fruit. And that's also what uh, most of the asset owners have been able to map out, uh, at least have started mapping out. Um, it's it's harder uh, to find the opportunities. But did they actually have any suggestions on how to find other opportunities beyond risk? Uh, yeah. So there was this was it was a very dense conversation. There's uh, a lot of very interesting contributions uh, to that end. But one thing that sort of stood out, we felt uh, at the time, was uh, this reference that was made by David Fortin about um, mitigation banking, and he gave this example of uh, how that uh, worked with uh, in Florida. And uh, basically, it's it's a way to combine projects with uh, conservation. And uh, in this case, the, the state of Florida would provide a financial incentive for the people who were participating in a real estate development project to preserve and conserve uh, an environment which was fundamental for biodiversity in the region. Uh, we go into, they, they go into a little bit of detail in the in the report, and so I recommend people looking at that. But basically, it's not just about the agriculture and forestry, as Alin uh, mentioned, but uh, there's also carbon credits uh, that can be extracted from those holdings. And there's also biodiversity credit models nowadays that are being developed uh, that are also useful to, to that end. And those are interesting new opportunities. Yeah, and I think that was a part that was quite surprising for me as uh, I was preparing for the moderation of this roundtable and also when we were uh, participating in the discussion, uh, which is that I was trying to stay away from discussing carbon credit because it's a right, you know, there's been some uh, controversy around carbon credits recently. Uh, with uh, We talked about it during the different podcasts um, with issues, uh, for example, with South Pole. But actually, the participants on the asset management side, they were adamant that this is a very crucial part of the equation for natural capital, that carbon credits, as well as biodiversity linked or nature linked credits are absolutely essential in order to redirect capital to conservation or to avoiding it or compensating for emission. And uh, Andrew Drianin, for example, talked about uh, carbon offsetting, but also carbon insetting, which is a way for companies to compensate for their emissions by doing something that's related to their own activities, not by simply doing something that has nothing to do with it. Another thing that I thought was very interesting in the context of the impact of uh, carbon credits in this market that uh, I think was also brought up by uh, Andrew was uh, the, the, the discussion of the effect that it's actually had on the valuation of some of these assets. As you add an extra layer of the value that they can generate from this point of view with carbon credits, uh, he, he mentioned that there are uh, that there is evidence in some of these more developed markets where this has been put to use, where the value of the underlying asset mainly 
real estate uh, holdings, uh, as well as agriculture and farmland, has actually increased. So it's not just uh, an aesthetic issue. Uh, it, it actually enhances the seems to be enhancing the value of the asset, which is something that presumably would be of interest to everybody in the industry. Plenty of food for thought. And, and for me, some real insights. I mean, I've never heard of uh, carbon insetting, for instance. Richard, you're our go-to person when it comes to natural capital at Nordsip. Did you know about that one? No, I can't pretend I did. Um, <laughs> but I think it's all part of the useful debate on, on the complexity of trying to put a value for investors on all these uh, very kind of uh, disparate elements of biodiversity. So if there are ways for companies to benefit financially from improving the impact on nature of their value chains, then that sounds like a good idea. Are you sorry you missed the discussion in Stockholm? Yes, uh, definitely. But, you know, I couldn't fly over because of my carbon footprint. <laughs> it's... I, I find that it's uh, it was a very interesting discussion, and I find that it's sort of the sort of thing where uh, it, it can be a bit uh, off-putting looking at a report that is several pages long, and we particularly nowadays people seem to have a little attention span, and that uh, it's difficult to put down the time to to dedicate to something like this. But it's it's difficult to do credit to the report. It's, there's a lot of information in there, and I thought it was a very rich discussion. So particularly for anyone looking to get into natural uh, capital, I think at any level, because we have participants at all levels, that's also an element that we discuss. I think it's really, really, really useful. One of the things that uh, also stood out to me was the fact that uh, how much everybody seems to emphasize the importance of partnerships, again, at every level, whether it's with research or with public entities or with other people in the industry. There's also in the context of the, the well, we talked about fixed income uh, specialists participating. There's discussion on blue bonds and the recent Galapago bonds. So there's a lot there for everybody. Well, um, what's happening with the blue bonds, by the way? They're being issued. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was it a one-off thing, the Galapagos? No, no. That's, uh, even the last one was not uh, uh, a new thing. There's... Um, and uh, there's been the latest one, I think, was from Ecuador, but that followed uh, the issuance uh, of uh, similar bonds from Belize. So they were already sort of elaborating on a, a theme that exists in the market. Uh, and, and I mean, those were the most prominent ones. Uh, there's a lot of uh, blue bonds being issued, for example, here in Sweden, uh, not here in Sweden, here in the Nordics by the Nordic Investment Bank for the preservation of the Baltic Sea and things to that effect. So it's, it's a well-established model. It's just not the only one. Actually, if I may mention something quite interesting is that um, blue bonds are a really interesting way for emerging market countries or maybe even frontier market countries um, to, to raise funds. And there is an, an infamous blue bond that was issued by the country of Gabon just a few days before a coup. So it's just to show that sometimes when you have, uh, uh, sometimes blue bonds are also a good way to do um, blended financing and uh, and this one was guaranteed by uh, the World Bank I believe uh, so so it's an interesting way for nations even when they are politically unstable to raise money and to to be able to continue projects that are favorable for the environment well to to wrap up the topic I uh, just want to highlight the fact that nature and biodiversity uh, concerns uh, they really 
the really uh, overarching theme for for investors that they should embrace. And um, that's really what the hopes were of all the participants at the red table, the wishes. Uh, at the end, I asked them to, to express um, it was really about the fact that they hoped everyone was going to start focusing more on nature. And in fact, nature, we have the impression that nature came after the climate. So nature is a sort of afterthought of the climate, but it actually isn't. Nature is a concern that should precede climate because nature is much more, much more important. It's something that we've taken for granted and that businesses take for granted. And so it's something that should be the primary concern for investors. And I think that's something we should think about more. And we had uh, the opportunity to to listen to a very interesting presentation here in Stockholm about the um, TNFD and the new accounting uh, that is going to come uh, and may be available for companies, investors to, to take uh, nature into account when they do business. And we look forward to following that. That was the Expresso for the week. We hope you got your sustainability shot. Thanks for joining. And we hope that now you have something smart to say to your colleagues when you meet them next to the coffee machine. And if you want to be even smarter, you can go on nordsip.com and find all the articles that we talked about and loads more. See you soon. And don't forget to subscribe.